So wait, you're asking if the Count on Sesame Street ever killed someone and then drank their blood for sustenance. Yeah, no, they never did that. Oh, okay, that's cool. Just a body massage machine, go! to Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today, we have the man with many names. I have many titles. This is John McCarroll. What's my title today? Um, I'm going to go with Senior Reviews Editor. I'm Keeper X on the board. Oh, God. Uh, newsman. Zach Pinchik. Super flat on the boards. And live from Japan, where it's, what, 8.42 in the morning right now? Yes, it is. That's early. This is uh, Steven at my rink, and I am Taylor's on the boards. He is right now communicating with us from a smoking bar, so uh, please excuse the fact that he's going to uh, bring it down to the dulcet tones today. I'm going like, to sound a little low today. It's, it's like we're talking on the quiet storm. So we have lots and lots of games to talk about, and we got some news segments to talk about. Uh, so going to kick it off over to John, who's going to talk about... I, I've been killing um, enemies over and over and over, specifically Rappies, because I hate Rappies. Um, I've been playing Fantasy Star Portable 2, um, which I honestly, in everything, I like. It's good. It's just like every other Fantasy Star online universe portable game that you've played. Well, I mean, there's there's a distinction. Online, is it closer to online or closer to universe? Because I know yeah, people portable hate it. universe. It's closer to universe. It's closer so, to universe. Is it? Now, here's the thing. Like a good it's, universe. I I like it a lot yes. better than like Fantasy Star Zero. It's it's gotten rid of the full expletive deleted um, timing based combat, which I hate. I hate having to do tap, tap, tap. I just want mash button. And luckily it lets you mash button, and then you have the triangle button, which you can map a special power to. It's really a simplistic combat system. You can't go wrong with it, and you kill a boatload of enemies. Just a little side comment, because I, I remember playing Fantasy Star online, but I never played Universe. What was everybody's big beef with Universe? What made Universe not fun? Like what, what was? It came, it came out and was half finished, for one thing. Okay, so there were like, like three levels. Okay, so we're talking content problems, but was the core gameplay really the same? Like, it, no, it, it I, wasn't it, as not nuanced. Really. Like, they just it just didn't quite grab that same like loot, you know, that draw to get like more stuff and go see. And then the right. there was a subscription. They tried, they tried to focus it on the story more. Like, their their the single player campaign was supposed to be a legitimate single player campaign, and it didn't really work. And it doesn't Not work in Fantasy Star Portable 2 either. The story is awful in this game. Um, really, really awful. Hmm. Okay, okay. But you're liking it so far. Now, uh, have you had a chance to play with people online? Like, I'm guessing that this is multiplayer. But, yes. But how many it, people are playing online, or is it just you and some friends that you know you're going to play? No, you can jump into random games. Um, so infrastructure. It's nice. Yes, it is infrastructure. That's it. No, the first one was not. Um, which honestly, we're like, oh my god, we can play online despite the fact that most other games in this genre have let you play it online for years. But on the and, PSP? Uh, well, I mean, there have been online games for the PSP. Sure. I can't think of any off the top of my head. 
Monster. The online play adds a significant bit to it. Yeah, um, I'm hoping to play with Steven at some point because I did you get the US version? Uh, Yes. Okay, so we can play together, and you know I'm gonna have a review of that sometime soon, probably in the next two weeks, because I gotta finish it up and uh, start writing my ZHP review. So so far, you like it. I like it. It's got its flaws. The story's retarded. Um, stores are useless. And, yeah, that's about it. I mean, if you liked Fantasy Star Portable or Fantasy Star Universe or even Fantasy Star Online, I mean, it's a worthy pickup. It's not the greatest game I've ever played. They are trying to be Monster Hunter by kind of streamlining things, but it's good. I like it. But it, see, I still just want another Fantasy Star. I just want a regular Fantasy Star Five. That's, yeah, you not, have that's a, all you have I a, want. Oh, like a regular Fantasy Star. I want like a real Fantasy Star game. You know, like my own because I played the other ones. You know, years after they came out when I was a kid. But you know, I want my I want my own. You know, and, and I want a unicorn. But we both know that's not going to happen. But hey, at least we have yeah. Fantasy Star Online too, right? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Does that does this give PC? you hope for Fantasy Star Online too, uh, John? Does this give you hope for PSP two? Mm. PSO two. Yeah, that, no, that that's my response. I'm not going to use words. My response is. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, is that all you got? Um. Yeah. I mean, it's not a particularly nuanced game. It's it's you fight lots of dudes. You have different kinds of weapons. There's lots of customization options. Um, it's, it's got the whole kind of everything that you can expect for customization. So, but overall it's really good. All right. All right. All right. Uh, so I guess we're going to pass it on over to, uh, oh God, we have more kingdom hearts to talk about, don't we? Yes, we do. Oh boy. I'm delighted. Okay. Fill, fill me in on the adventures of Sora and his like 13 personalities. Okay. Well, this one's not about regular Sora. Oh, it's for God's sake. <laughs> This one's about Data Sora. What? 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 Wait, what? Is this like this when they went into Tron? No. Wait, Data Sora, um, like the, it, like from Star Trek. Okay, let's all. Okay, let's stop making fun of it. Let's stop making fun of it because it's way too easy. <laughs> all right, Stephen, uh, please explain what Data Sora is. Kingdom Hearts is special. Don't make fun of it, okay? Anyway, uh, the setup of the game is that. Uh, after Kingdom Hearts 1, and I believe sometime after Chain of Memories, uh, Jiminy opens up his memo and sees that it says, Thank Namine, which, if you haven't played Chain of Memories, makes no sense. <laughs> That's a timeline right there. No, it, it just, it took me a second, and Jiminy opens up his journal, and I was like, wait, Jim, oh, Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, Steven, I'm sorry, I'm good, I'm good, I'm just going to mute my mic. Disney is serious business, okay? <laughs> I have smoke in my lungs to prove it. <laughs> anyway. So he opens it up and he's like, oh, why Why does it say thank nominee? And they basically go through. Uh, I couldn't quite catch the nuance of it because my Japanese isn't good enough, but they're going through uh, Sora's memories again. Um, but there's some sort of like glitch data in there. So I don't actually know what they're trying to find other than why it says thank nominee. And... It appears they retconned Birth by Sleep in as well because there's something else in the journal about Birth by Sleep, which I won't say because that's still pretty new in the U.S. and I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But um, basically what I hear from people is that the story in the game is terrible, and I'm getting that vibe as I play it because it just seems like, oh, let's run around and jump on platforms, and I have no idea why I'm doing it. 
Um, so, so far, it is not as good as Birth by Sleep. Well, was Coded a, a cell phone game at first? Yeah, and I, it, okay. it shows. Um, the game is a lot of fun, but story-wise, it doesn't do really anything. So we're just milking the Kingdom Hearts franchise. We, we could have called it anything, but we called it Kingdom Hearts. Well, see, it does... I, I'm told it connects Birth by Sleep to the next couple of games, but either my Japanese isn't good enough or I just haven't seen it yet. But uh, it seems kind of like... Oh yeah, we're all just chilling in front of a computer watching Data Sora run around. Data Sora is the Sora in his memories mm-hmm. that you play as, and you're basically trying to fix the glitched data and find out why it says "Thank Nominee" in now, his journal. Now, uh, the the next Kingdom Hearts game is apparently the 3DS one, right? Mm. And didn't um, somebody at Square came out Square Enix? Somebody came out and said that that's basically the next real Kingdom Hearts game. Are we all expecting that to be Kingdom Hearts three? Like. I could honestly see that happening to where that kind of carries on as Kingdom Hearts 3 at this point. It's, it's As- got a 3 in the title. But especially because you've still got that crew working on Versus 13, which is actually starting to look like a real game now instead of just vaporware. But, you know, that thing's still a while off. I, I think that in Japan, it's it's no longer a we have to publish this on a home console that connects to a television for it to be a real game. Sure. I mean, if you look at Japan, the PSP and the DS are amazingly popular. And, like, the most popular game in the world is Monster Hunter. I can which, verify this. Uh, at the Tokyo Game Show, basically everybody was walking around with PSPs playing Monster Hunter or Fantasy Star. Or, at the time, I don't think Pokemon Black was out. Or Pokemon, whatever the new ones are. Um, I don't think that was out, but... Now I see that everywhere on the train, and I'm afraid to take out my DS and play it. I don't have it, but if I did, I'd be afraid that I was going to get challenged by, like, a 10-year-old and get smoked by, like, a level 900 Charizard. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, John brings up a good point. It doesn't really have to be on a home console anymore, and they could – but I, I do think that the price tag on the 3DS, you know, not, not – I'm not sure if we're going to talk about it in the news, but the price tag on the 3DS, like, that thing is priced like a console now. So mm. you're putting well, – it, it's it's – what is two hundred or twenty five thousand yen? Which yeah, which based on the current bad uh, exchange rate is uh, three hundred dollars. If the exchange if the exchange rate were better, if it were like it usually is, where it's a hundred yen to a dollar or where thereabouts, it's two hundred and fifty bucks. What? I said I wish. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what it used to be. Um, which was the price of the PSP when it launched in North America, two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, and didn't that hurt the PSP pretty bad? It gave it a slow start, I think, and but I think that the lack uh, of games, I think, did too. True. Yeah. True. Um, when my fi- like, Luminous was the only good game for the PSP for like four months. Mm-hmm. This is true. And I mean, the the price discrepancy between that and the DS, you know, which grew a lot, you know, due to the DS's dropping in price, that certainly didn't help either. So. Yeah. Right, but right. I don't. I don't see the price point as being an issue. But we're not talking about that right now. Yeah, I, I just think that the next Kingdom Hearts game. I mean, it sounds like Recoded is just kind of a side story thing. They're they're gonna retcon in some stuff to make connections to Birth by Sleep, which is cool. But then I'm guessing that the next real Kingdom Hearts game, you're everybody's gonna consider it to be this Kingdom Hearts 3DS, whatever they something with numbers and maybe a division sign and. I hope they throw a square root in there for all I care. Kind yeah. of the square root of 458 days over five. Uh, <laughs> my, my question, 
my question about Recoded is that the the cell phone version was like a puzzle game. Is that carried over it's to actually, the DS version? It's actually pretty cool. Um, they've carried the spirit of that over. But what it is is you kind of start up, and it actually plays like Birth by Sleep. You you get commands, you put them in a deck. Um, and so I was pretty happy to see that. So it's got, like, regular combat. But um, there's a lot of, like, blocks that have been added to the levels, and I ha- there's, that's honestly what the game calls them. They're blocks. <laughs> um, and they basically create platforming levels out of the worlds, and then occasionally the world will get glitched, and it's kind of cool of an effect. Like, you'll go to, like, Traverse Town from the first uh, Kingdom Hearts, and part of the world will be totally, like, screwed up. Like, it'll just be, like, it'll have all these weird computer effects on it. It'll look glitched out. And you have to find, like, a bug area. And you go into this, like, crazy computer zone. And you solve a platforming puzzle. And you fix the uh, the world. And you can continue exploring the memories. Um, it also has, you can create, it's got, like, an avatar creator. You can take all these really cutesy parts and put them together to make an avatar. And then you can, uh, just like in Dragon Quest Nine, you can canvas for guests. And uh, I don't know actually what it does yet. Is the, creation, is the creation system for that better than it was for making a freaking gummy ship? Yeah, it's, you basically just pick parts to build your avatar, like face and hair and stuff. Okay. Um, and that, from what I see there, that generates like random puzzle stages that you can play. And they actually carry the stuff you win in them, like the abilities and the, the level up stuff carries over to the main game. And the level up system is actually pretty cool. It's uh, it's kind of like a sphere grid, but only like all computer themed, and uh, you basically put these chips down, like a level up chip or like an attack plus two chip, and you you fill up these lines, and as you go through the lines, you find these new abilities, like you know dodge roll and all the regular Kingdom Hearts stuff, and then you can find like like a slot, uh, a deck slot up, so you can have like an extra command in your abil- uh, set of abilities. It, the combat works a lot like Birth by Sleep. It's kind of like what would happen if they took 358 days but actually took it seriously and made it birth by sleep. So uh, basically what you're telling me is that it goes birth by sleep, coded, and 358 over 2 in terms of quality? Is that what I'm hearing right now? Like you're, you're finding it to be fun even if it's not filling in the story gaps as well as it could? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm finding. It's a, I'm having a lot of fun playing it. Um, it's definitely gameplay-oriented. Uh, the thing is, it's filling in a blank that everybody already knows, so... Hmm. Uh, story-wise, I don't think it's going to do a whole lot, but I could be wrong. I've heard the secret ending is cool. But uh, keep going, Steve. Yeah. As a as a rather large Kingdom Hearts fan, which may be obvious by now, um, I think it's a good game. Um, I hope I finish it. I didn't finish 358 over two days. Um, I saw the end. I played through it. I got bored. This one has much better gameplay than 358 over two days. Uh, the platforming is a lot of fun. Um, it's set up really well. Uh, it's nice to go through you know the same worlds for the hundredth time. And uh, the combat is a lot is a lot of fun. So I mean, if if you want a good Kingdom Hearts game on DS, it'll be good. But I don't expect it to do a whole lot for the story, personally. Especially having just beaten the English version of Birth by Sleep. Birth by Sleep is without a doubt a better game. Well, that's cool. That's and you cool. can tell they took Birth they they spent more time developing Birth by Sleep. Yeah, I mean that that was in development for a really long time. I mean, I remember watching that kick uh, a kick ass video at the end of Kingdom Hearts two, and I was like, wow, this actually looks really cool. I'm I'm excited now and. God, I was in college when that came out. Like, wow. So, uh, are you all done there, Stephen? Can we move on? Just a quick side note: I am also playing Mega Man Legends Two. Oh, sorry, it's sorry, awesome. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's an it's an older game. Um, the controls did not age well, but the game did. It's a blast. 
and I can't wait for the one on 3DS. Um, the whole you can roam around randomly and find parts and upgrade, and it's just it's still very addictive. And the voice acting is actually held up surprisingly well, uh, or surprisingly good as well. Um, Are they definitely making a Legends three? Because I thought that uh, Mikami just said that he was interested in making. The, it's it's happening. There's going to be some big announcement on Monday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they uh, they they have released like a logo for it and stuff. If you ask Mike, he can inform uh, you on everything. Okay. Okay. I was just making sure. So okay. Well, that's cool. I mean, I never played the Legends game, but it was it was always something that I was interested in. So. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's got a pretty good story. Uh, the dialogue is fun. It's funny. Um, and the gameplay is really, really good. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, okay, so Zach, your topic would lead into the digital distribution stuff. So, do you mind if I go first? Go for it. Uh, all right. So, uh, I was playing a lot of 3D Dot Game Heroes for the past two weeks. Um, hey. Did your sword get big? My sword did, in fact, get big. Uh, didn't we get in trouble for this? Uh, How big? Uh, uh, I think. Uh, eh. Just continue. Thank you, John. Thank you. Uh, I really – see, here's the thing about 3D Dot. Like, I really like it, and I love the nostalgia factor. I mean, you're basically playing a game, for those who don't know, that is the sequel to The Legend of Zelda, the original, that never happened. So imagine that you never played that side-scrolling, crappy Zelda 2: The Adventure of Link. Instead, you played just a game that was the sequel to the original Legend of Zelda. Down, you know, looking isometric view, looking down at the playing field, guiding Link around into dungeons and solving puzzles and stuff. That aspect of the game works great. I love the voxel graphics. It's a beautiful game to look at. It's got this like 8-bit style, but it's still 3D. Um, Your sword, as uh, Stephen was intimating, gets ridiculously huge. Like, you get a full life bar, and instead of shooting out, like, little lasers, like the you just have this sword that is literally, like, the size of a Volkswagen. And it just comes out in front of you and, like, annihilates everything in your path. So there's a lot of really cool things in the game, but it's also – it's clearly a budget title because it was 40 bucks when it came out, and I picked it up for 40 But, like, it's clearly a budget title in that there's – a lot of little things that add up to make really huge annoyances. Like the having the this monster sword is great, but it also means that when you don't have that monster sword, you are just screwed. And you're sitting there trying to get like another life bar to, to complete your life bar so that you have this full sword and you can just take everything out. And it makes the game really easy. But in order to compensate for that, the game throws a lot of really cheap hits at you. Like you'll scroll over into a new screen and there'll be an enemy right on top of you that'll take away one of your, your health bars. And then you're back to the dinky sword. And then it, it can take – it took me 20 minutes one time just to get one more life bar. Like just wandering around, killing enemies over and over and over again until I found a life bar. And that was just really getting on my nerves. And then the other thing is that the overworld exploration is a lot of fun. Like the fact that you're you're getting new abilities and they let you traverse new areas and find new things. It can be a little clunky getting around. Like the map isn't that great of a help, but it's fun. But then I actually felt like the dungeons were the weakest part of the whole game. I just felt like they were simplistic and kind of annoying and just there wasn't a whole lot to them. And every once in a while, like the perspective, having this isometric view, this perspective would screw me up and I wouldn't realize that there was like a switch somewhere in the room. Like the HUD would maybe be covering up the switch. So there's just – 
it's a good game, but there's a lot of little things that really tick me off about it. Yeah, I can see that. But, you know, I think overall that it's a quality game. I think it's at this point, um, there's been a bunch of sales for it for 20 and it's absolutely worth picking it up at that price. Oh, yeah. For t- for 20 bu- bucks, it's like a no-brainer. I'd say even for 40 bucks, if you really like the nostalgia factor and you like, you know, just little shout outs to other games and that sort of thing. Like there's a part where somebody says that they fell, that they, uh, they fell asleep, they feel asleep. So you have a <laughs> reference to like the original Metal Gear. And I love that stuff. And, you know, it, it's clever. It has good ideas. You can create your own character. So you can yes, even that. No, that's the best part. That is so the best part. You can make, you can make a 3D version of the 8 bit Link model. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, th- there, there's only one character worth playing as, and that's the shark. The shark Actually, is cool. little personal anecdote here. When I played that game, I spent two hours making a fully animated version of the awesome face. Which, <laughs> if you have the big sword, is hysterical because you're this big smiling face with a giant sword. <laughs> and that may have contributed to most of my enjoyment of that game because I would just <laughs> run around being like, awesome. <laughs> I really did like it. It just... It started to really annoy me. Some of the bosses are ridiculously cheap. Like the dragon boss is borderline sadistic. And then there's just times where I ended up getting hit and I was really questioning the hit detection. Like I was like, how did that hit me? I had my shield up. It hit me square on, but it still still got me. And there's other times where like your sword, if it doesn't have the pierce ability and it can't like pass through walls and stuff, it'll get caught on something. And then it felt like I would do it again and it wouldn't get caught. So there's there's just little things that it, it's overall a very unpolished game, but I I still had fun with it. Well, I mean, From Software was working on it like around the same time they were working on uh, Demon Souls. So yeah, but that game is amazing, and there will no, be, I'm, there I'm will be saying... nothing bad said about that game on this podcast, Mister. Oh, I gave Demon Souls like an 87. You ought to burn in hell for that. No, an 86, and I got you rat. Demon Souls should get like 110. Yeah, and what's great is I got. <laughs> Can, we get that? Can we create a new award for that? I, I got an email from a reader who got so angry because, like, around that month, uh, Patrick, who is noted for giving out pretty high scores, um, scored the Spectrobes game for Wii with an 87. And I had a guy who was really angry about that. No, I, John and I harass each other about that. I think his Demon Souls review is, is spot on, and I'm not going to sit here and gush all over Demon Souls again. But I will say this. I watched the trailer for Project Dark. It Demon is Demon Souls 2. It is Demon Souls 2. Like when that, when that demon, like it, it, I think it was like a female demon, like her chest opened up and there were just like teeth and it like swallowed the dude up. It, it's literally got like 30 seconds of gameplay at most, but it is Demon Souls. And I was like, ah. um, excuse me, the first game that had breasts with mouse on, mouths on them was uh, Digital, Digital Devil, Devil Saga. Saga. Yep, no, that's true. That's true. You got you got a good point there. You got a good point there. So uh, coincidentally, they're both awesome. How about that? <laughs> um, Maybe we know a formula for great games. I'm gonna I'm gonna remain silent on that one. I'm I just started playing Digital Devil Saga, and I I have yet to see the uh, the greatness. Maybe maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen. I've yet to see the greatness. I'm only a couple hours in, and I'm playing Castlevania right now, so I'm I'm kind of sidetracked, but I will I will keep playing. Uh, but yeah, Project Dark is Demon Souls too, so I'm happy. But uh, but back to um, to 3D Dot. So would we want to see more of these like faux retro style games? Like we had Mega Man Nine and uh, Mega Man Ten, and I, and 3D were great. Dot. Yeah, I, I really like this approach. Uh, I kind of I, I, I like it. I think New Retro is the the new zombies. Um, 
because you had Claudune, and there's going to be so many of these these new retro games coming out. Like it, there's even if you don't want them, they're coming. I mean, yeah, the, the, okay. the one thing that I want from them is um, is to have kind of like the the new like gameplay advancements and you know like everything that kind of isn't part of that retro aesthetic should should be like up to you know like kind of good standards because i mean one thing that i remember reading about uh 3d dot heroes when it came out i haven't played it yet but um is that like if you're if you're going through a dungeon and like you you need arrows to shoot something on like the other side of the room there there just won't be arrows in the jars that like that you can break and you know like in in zelda for instance i don't know if it was in like the first one or in like one of the more recent ones yeah like it's you know like there's that sort of design the design decisions to put you know, like arrows in a room where you would need arrows or, you know, like something like that. So, I mean, at least, at least keeping things, you know, like learning from the past, you know, 20 years. Uh, yeah, or 3, 3D Dot, I, I swear to God, that game was developed by, like, I think that thing has the director from, like, Left 4 Dead in there because when I need something, it doesn't come. And then I'll be at full health. <laughs> and, like, every enemy I kill will be giving me an apple that refills your health bar. Like, every bunny, every Octorok that I kill gives me an apple. But then the but second— then when your sword is tiny, you don't need a heart. You can't find a heart anywhere. Yeah, you can't find anything. And it's just—and that plays into, the like, the bosses. Like, trying to beat the Kraken boss, like that octopus-type t- thing, trying to beat that thing without a massive sword— is just an exercise in frustration and you know it, it makes it it makes a gameplay scenario where it's like the first time you get hit you might as well just restart the whole fight and you know i don't really like that perfectionism in my games also the last dungeon is really really long and really really tedious and of course they make you fight every enemy all over again that is one gameplay convention that I think only Capcom seems to still enjoy doing that needs to go away. If I get to the end of Castlevania and I have to beat every boss that I've played through the whole game, I'm going to snap. Uh, that, that's Konami. Yeah, I, I know, but I'm, I'm oh. just saying since I'm playing Castlevania right now. But, like, I was remembering uh, Devil May Cry 4 and 3. I don't remember in 2, and 1 is blanking from my memory right now. But, like, I hate that. I, I hate playing the bosses again like just either give me new bosses or don't do it yeah it's like here's some here's new content i mean uh so this is completely off topic well not completely but you know what retro thing i want to see come back digitized actors oh night trap no because you know what i'm playing right now because it came out on playstation one import store what cho aniki oh god um uh, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, I need an adult. <laughs> yeah, Shoniki <laughs> is not appropriate for this family-friendly podcast. I, I need an adult. It's only rated T for teen. Um, what? It, it's yeah, I'm pretty sure it's only rated T for teen. Right here, let me see if it. Yes, RB. I think here. we should. I think we should avoid this topic at all costs. Um, uh, <laughs> but I want to know what it's about. You, no, no, you should look it up on Wikipedia on your own time. Hey, did hey did you ever play Muscle March for Wii? Oh God, oh sweet Jesus! Because that's like a really tame version of Choniki. 
I gotta look this stuff up. A sweet dear God, help me. Um, uh, so, Cho, so yeah, so, no, Cho and Niki released on PS1 Classics for PS3 is rated T for Teen for crude humor, mild fantasy violence, and suggestive themes. So, uh, so I really liked 3D Dot. I mean, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a fun game. Uh, definitely worth picking up if you've never, um, if you want to have the nostalgia trip or if you haven't picked it up yet. Just don't expect anything magnificent. It doesn't have that. It's really miss, missing a couple sheens of polish, but overall, still very, very good. So, um, yeah, I think that's it for me. So we'll move on to uh, Zach, and you're talking about lots and lots of digital games, right? Now, I'm, I'm talking about uh, uh, Halo Reach. That That's an RPG, right? No? You maybe, maybe, like, what about Madden? Is that... Is that an RPG? There's, there's if, RPG if, elements if, in there. If you're going to make fun of sports games as RPGs, you have to use NHL because there really is a legitimate RPG mode in that game. Sweet. That's awesome. So our Canadian uh, listeners will be happy. Okay. All right. Uh, no, but um, yeah, no, I've I've been playing, or, or shall I say uh, trying to play, um, the old Infinity Engine games that just got released, uh, that were just released on good old games. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, it's... Um, Planescape Torment, which is, I think, the, the shining gem of, of the three that are out right now, and uh, the original Baldur's Gate with expansions, and the original Icewind Dale with expansions. And so those are all based on, you know, like, the, the old Bioware AD&D, like, 2.5 rule set engine. I think in, uh, eventually it, they kind of start to incorporate the, the 3.0 rules but anyways yeah so i mean i I bought those because they they might as well have steam has my credit card number but good old games might as well have my credit card number and like you know it's just so easy it is i i know a lot of people got angry about the whole pr thing for good old games shutting down for a couple of days um the guys behind good old games are cd project which they own the developer cd project red which made the witcher these guys are awesome. awesome. Yeah, these guys are awesome. Um, they were kind of misguided in their attempt. Don't be mad at them. They're really good people, and they give us good stuff. Like, I'm so happy to have Arcanum again. Mm, yeah, I have that too. I've I tried never to got play to that. play that. Which, should, it's only $6 on GOG.com, but yeah. uh, definitely. Is it good? I, you, you look at these games from the 90s. And Arcanum is the only game that I can think of where you can play as a retard, and it's a special legitimate person. Special option. Person. You can do special person. You can do special person, or or you can be an idiot savant where you're really good at math and can gamble against people and do really well, but you have no ability to speak. Couldn't you do that sort of thing in Fallout One? Like you could play the the idiot. You could, but you you, know, you had to manually put your intelligence down to one. Um, what I like about Arcanum is that you can you can do the idiot savant thing and actually not lose your ability to have intelligence the way it affects the rest of the game. You just have retarded dialogue options, special person dialogue options. It, that's awesome. <laughs> but it's it's got a lot of character. That's for sure. Like yeah, the, it's the, yeah. When you're, I mean, at least like, when, is it offensive or like? Yeah. Like, like uh, what kind of like like could you come up with some sort of example? Uh, okay, so at the beginning of the game, like your answers are like, Duh, that looked funny. 
and <laughs> stuff like that. And the kid, there's a character that meets you. You're in an airship that crashes at the very beginning of the game. And there's a character that meets you, and he asks you a question, and you're like, me hungry or something like that. And he's like, <laughs> by the gods, are you really this dumb? And it's great. I like him. <laughs> Awkward. But yeah, so that's that's on good on Gog. Uh, and then, so yeah, so Planescape Torment, uh, Baldur's Gate 1, and Icewind Dale, all available for $10. Uh, Arcanum is 6 But yeah, so anyway, so I've been trying to play. Um, and I say trying because those games are old. They're really old. Um, yeah. They're, they're like from the late 90s, which, hmm. while, while not before I was born, was before I was 10 years old. Um, oh, I hate you. Yeah. So, no, I mean, like, that's the thing is, um, I, yeah, I've man. played a bit of Planescape Torment in the past, and, you know, I just kind of used this opportunity to spend more money on, you know, a perfectly good service, um, and, you know, just have it on, like, a digital DRM-free copy, uh, and the, the thing with Planescape is that it's really kind of meant almost to be played as a, like, graphic adventure of sorts. I mean, like, it has all of, Definitely. you know, the the stats in there and but like you you really will do well to play a character like a mage with maxed out like intelligence wisdom and charisma um because that gives you the most dialogue options which are really that's like the the key like that's where you get the enjoyment from that game um and and oh man but yeah so i like i tried to play icewind dale today and and i mean I forgot how much fun it is to make a, a character in, you know, like the older D and D rule sets because it's been a while since I played some some D and D. But that is, it's it's an old game. It's a good old game. Like, but it's. Well, I actually had. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, I, I want to give props to to Cave Dog and Chris Taylor um, with uh, Total Annihilation, which came out in like '97. Um, but it has, like, the ability to be played in widescreen and in multiple resolutions. Like, it didn't cap itself. You you play, like, Icewind Dale, and you can play it in 800 by 600. And for me, I use my television as my computer monitor. So it's it's on my 40-inch television. It's, like, it literally just uses up 800 by 600 pixels. So it's, like, playing on a 20-inch monitor from across the room. And it sucks. <laughs> But you look at Total Annihilation, and this is a game that, that, you know, created almost 15 years ago now, and it's scalable to massive levels. How much do the games cost on good old games? Because I've actually never really used it. I mean, um, I've I've used Steam all the time, obviously. But how much do, like, if I wanted to buy, like, say, Street Fighter 2, how Street much Fighter would I? It's not there. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all like PC games. PC. Um, oh, I'm thinking game tap. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, okay, okay. I'm no, thinking game tap. Okay, uh, but my fault. My the fault. depending on the game, uh, for for GOG.com, it's either six or ten dollars, and they have a sale pretty much weekly. Uh, you know, it's kind of random what they're gonna put up, but uh, yeah, this week it's all the the non D and D Atari stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So okay. actually, speaking of Total price. Annihilation, if you want Total Annihilation, it's cheap right now. I just love the fact that. I love digital distribution. I love having the game on my laptop. I mean, I, I actually prefer to have the game on my laptop when it comes to Steam. Like, I'm kind of fighting with myself right now because, 
you know, I, I want to have the next Dragon Age on my computer, but then it also seems like Dragon Age 2 is going to be a little bit more of a console game. So it's like, well, crap, I have the original Dragon Age on my computer. I want to have Dragon Age 2 on there, but if it's going to be more fun to play, it's just it, – it's weird. I never thought I would get into digital distribution, but you know, I, I thought I'd always like to have like the mound of games on my on my wall as I look at it right now. But I kind of like having just everything right there, and I can just open up my laptop and say, what do I want to play? Okay, let's look through my list. I, I totally yeah. agree, and I love it on my PSP as well. Like I know a lot of people get angry. Oh, my God, some of these games are only released as, as downloads on PSN. I don't care. I caved and I spent 70 bucks and I got a 32 gigabyte memory stick for my PSP. Right, right. And I have like 42 games on it and I've still got 10 gigs free. Yeah, I mean, I I really like it. I love digital distribution. I think it's a great way to play games. Um, You know, I, I would actually buy games for my PlayStation 3 digitally. I mean, I know you can. I think you can still buy like Infamous or... Um, or burnout. burnout. Yeah, so it's there, there are I handful think that's a, What's that? Uh, oh, there are a handful on the on PS. Yeah, I know. I think yeah, Mag I, might have been released recently. Yeah, um, I mean it. It's a lot of fun, and you know, I, we're, we were sitting here talking about you know Fallout New Vegas, and I'm like, well, I'm probably going to pick that up uh, right through Steam. You know, thank God it's Steamworks and not games for Windows Live. <sighs> there are some games that are both, though. You look at uh, at Dawn of War, Dawn of War is both. Then again, yeah, the Dawn next of... Dawn of War expansion is going to be just Steamworks because yeah. Games for Windows Live is heartbreakingly heartbreaking. But uh, I like achievements. Painful. Oh, I love achievements. Don't get me wrong, but it's it can be um, what's what's terrible. I like <laughs> I like achievements when they open something up in the game. Like I I, I remember um, just just real quick uh, Yahtzee's review of Red Dead Redemption, and I, I loved Red Dead. But then I I watched his review and I was like, yeah, a lot of that was just kind of doing stuff just to fill your checklist, and it didn't really do anything. So I kind of liked it, you know, how in Fallout most of the quests that you went on they would normally give you something like great like the uh the one mission where you went to get like abraham lincoln's stuff like you got his repeater rifle like you got something cool with it so i don't really like achievements i don't really like quests or anything like that when i'm just filling out a checklist you know if if that makes sense no i hear you completely there i think that some achievements are worthwhile for like you look at uh at uh front mission evolved um which I don't think we're going to get to that tonight. I wanted to talk about RPG spinoffs, but whatever. Um, I would never touch that game's multiplayer, like, had there not been a significant amount of achievements in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's actually pretty decent. You know, the multiplayer in the game is not bad, but it's it's. I think it's a good way to entice players into playing something that they might not otherwise. Yeah, I, I think but, Demon, I think Demon Souls is actually the worst when it comes to achievements because literally to get some of those achievements in Demon Souls, you're going to play that game eight times because you have to use a certain soul to make a weapon or something in order to get like the weapon master achievement. You have to uh, make every weapon in the game. Well, the only way to do that is to use, use the this souls. use the boss souls, and you have to beat that boss. And there's only one boss a game. Uh, to me, I was just like, wow, that is an asinine trophy slash achievement. That is horrible. Do not – I think Fallout also screwed it up. The fact that Fallout has the ones where it's like reach level 20 with neutral karma, reach level 20 with evil karma. Like 
don't make me replay the game. You know, like achievements are cool when they're kind of just something that's thrown in that I'm either randomly going to do or it's a, a, a checklist that I tick off because it's a quest that I'm going to complete anyway. You know? Yeah. That I, I'm sorry if I uh, sorry if I cut you off, John, but I just it it really. I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. I love Demon Souls, but I just I thought that game had some of the worst. You know, I like to get the platinum on games that I really really like. You know, like Arkham Asylum, Assassin's Creed. I love to get the platinum in those games, like uh, Dead Space, because they make me play the game a different way, and they normally come natural. Like they they're called easy platinum trophies if you look them up online, but they come naturally. I'm playing through Castlevania right now, and I know that one of the one of the achievements is one of the trophies is you have to complete every challenge on every level, and like some of the challenges are ridiculous, like beat this boss in a minute and thirty seconds. Um, yeah, no, Nier wasn't particularly good with his achievements either. There's like half of them are you know like beat a like a boss in the game, and there's one for every boss in under a certain the, time limit. So the only types of games that I can see that really work with the you need to get everything style achievements are platformer action adventure style games, and what comes to mind immediately are the Lego games, where I don't have a problem with the whole you need to collect every red brick to get this achievement. Yeah. In Lego Star Wars, because you know what, the level's fun to play as, and there's different stuff depending on what kind of character you play as. And the game kind of encourages it. Like with, uh, I personally think Mass Effect is an exception to that as well, because Mass Effect is designed to be, you know, with the decisions and, you know, how things can be different each playthrough. You know, there's the achievements for, you know, getting so far with this comrade, or, you know, forming what? a relationship with this character. What I really liked about the the class-specific achievements in Mass Effect 2 specifically is that uh, they were easy enough to do with, like, a short playthrough. Like, you could go and get the set 20 enemies on fire in, like, an hour. But you could get the bulk of the achievements with one character on one playthrough. Right, right. And I think Dragon Age also did a good job because it has a lot of achievements built into who you side with on the quests. And I like that because, you know, I wanted to play it through again anyway, and I wanted to do the opposite decision of every decision that I made. So that's a natural achievement. But then there's stupid stuff in Dragon Age where it's like, oh, you need to have a level 20 mage or a level 20 rogue or a level 20 uh, warrior. My first character in Dragon Age, I didn't get to level 20 because, you know, I, I screwed the game up so bad. Again, you know, check out my review. I, I played that game horribly the first time. And so I only got to, like, level 18, and there's no respawning enemies. So I was like, well uh, – there's an achievement that's basically locked. I can't do it. also locking achievements drive me crazy. Like a, an achievement that's locked to a specific part of the game, like the fact that um, Uncharted has chapter selections. That makes it easy to go back and get achievements. But if I have to play a whole game through just to do one thing on one specific part, I have no desire to do that. Graphic adventure, not an RPG, but uh, Heavy Rain did it perfectly. Where you could go back and be like, okay, I want to restart the game right here. Yeah, 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 definitely good. Uh, so we're getting close to the time limit, gentlemen. Do we want to move on into news? Because I think Zach has a nice news Let's section for us. Do it. All right. What do we got, Zach? So I mean, just to you know, to recap, go go to GOG, pick up, go to GOG.com, pick up Planescape Torment. At, at the very least, if you own like a Windows computer from the past eleven to twelve years, pick up Planescape Torment. It's ten dollars. It's very much worth your ten dollars. 
Uh, from... We need to start getting checks. John, is there a way that we can start getting paid for like the, <laughs> the number of stuff that we pimp on this show? It's um, out of the hey, kindness be, of our hearts. It's that, it's that so, I'll take a money hat. I'm all uh, for it. Hey, Tom at CD Projekt, if you're listening to this podcast, give me free codes for everything. I'll be in contact. <laughs> Good. And will I. Good. Uh, but yeah, so so on to on to the other newses. The news uh, is there's there's a game. It's called Trinity Souls of Zill. Zill. Ah. Which, um, I, I, I want, there I want, is no Dana, only Soul. I, I want to admit something to uh, the readers of our website. Um, the preview that just went up. We're recording this on uh, on the eighth, and Friday we just posted. Yes, Friday Friday the eighth. Um, we just posted a preview of Trinity Souls of Zillow. I wrote that four months ago, and we forgot about it. <laughs> Total transparency there. <laughs> Oops. We Whoopsies! Um, that, that is technically an E3 preview. Yeah, but I mean, that. so that game being published by uh, Tecmo Koei, coming out for the PS3, um, that's going to come out uh, somewhere in the uh, first quarter of 2011, near uh, North America. So uh, just Sorry. came out in Japan. Uh, oh no! It's already out. It is already out. Oh no! It was, re- it was recently delayed. I'm a liar. Uh, recently delayed in Japan from uh, September 30th, which was a week ago, to November 25th, which is like two weeks, uh, two months from now. So um, cool. there's that. Uh, there's another game. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but it's uh, like uh, Pokemon. I think. Is what? it? Is it? Let, I think- let me show you them. <laughs> yeah, so um, Pokemon Black and White came out in Japan. I need an adult. <laughs> they so totally came out in Japan. They, they came out in Japan. Um, and they broke some sales records to the extreme, um, which is to say they beat uh, Dragon Quest IX's opening weekend Holy by over 300,000 units. What? Yep. Honestly, I, I, I'm in Japan now. Um, Honestly, I, I'm in Japan right now. And I ride the train every day, and I think I see at least 20 copies of Pokemon in any direction. Good God. Everybody plays it. Yeah. It's not just a kid. It's amazing how the Japanese market has changed. It, it's, it really, really is. I mean, you guys remember when we heard, like, the numbers on Final Fantasy VII, that first weekend sale where it sold, like, what, 2 million units or something like that? And we were like, oh, my God, like, this is amazing. And we all thought, like, how hardcore the Japanese were when it came to, like, console games. And in less than – and just a little bit over 10 years, it's just all handhelds now. It's all handhelds. It's, I it's amazing. I honestly think it has to do with that everybody has to commute here. Yeah. Uh, I mean yeah. I, in the U.S., I never used my iPod. I never you – know, you know, I had to drive to work and to school. So I, you know, I didn't have time to play my DS on the way to work or school. But I mean here – I mean I finished all of Birth by Sleep on the train. Yeah. I mean I, I, I'm working right now and I'm in an office all day and, you know, I only teach three classes a day. But I'm sitting there going, you know, if I could maybe sneak it in and the dean of academics don't see me, like I would bring my DS to the office because I have so much downtime during the day where I'm just like sitting there either waiting for students to come ask me for help or really not not doing a whole lot. You know, getting lesson plans ready, but, you know – it. There's a lot of downtime in my job, and I'm I'm sitting there going, wow, I I would actually really like to bring my DS into the office and just sit down and chill out. So I I see the appeal now of of a handheld game, but I think when I'm playing a game, I prefer to play on an HD screen. I prefer to or at my computer monitor. Like I just like that immersion factor. Like I, I notice that when I'm playing my DS, I kind of have a tendency to to zone out a little bit. 
like when I was playing Dragon Quest Nine, I can't even remember playing that game. Like my brain was just on autopilot for almost the entire time. See, w- with me, I I live in the Chicago area, and I work in southeastern Wisconsin. And um, anyone who's been to southeastern Wisconsin knows that there's nothing there. So true. I true. I use I have I, I have an hour of lunch, and I eat, and that takes me 15 minutes, and then I sit in my car and I play. PSP or DS for 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean that's that's the appeal, and I think uh, I think Stephen hit the nail on the head when when you're talking about a society that's basically commuting every day, and you could be commuting for 20 minutes to an hour. That's a lot of time that you could get in some gaming over the course of a day. I'm I'm finding that it's hard for me, you know, now working a nine to five job to get in even an hour of gaming. Most of my gaming these days is on the weekend. And I'm a lifelong gamer, and I'm I'm just starting in the workforce and being you know a teacher, but most of my gaming is on the weekend now. Like I, I'm sitting here tomorrow, like I'm I'm going to teach one class on Saturday, and then it's like, all right, I got the rest of my Saturday. I'm going to play me some Castlevania. Or I'm going to play me some Digital Devil Saga. Like that's the only time I get to game. And I, I think a lot of young people don't realize that, like how hard it is to find time to game. I. I played World of Warcraft for a long, long time, and I honestly don't know how the people who played World of Warcraft and had full-time jobs did that. Oh, they like, didn't. Oh, yeah, they really didn't do their jobs. Um, but like, I could not imagine like coming home after because I because of my commute, I get up at about five thirty and I get home at about six. And it's like I have no desire and no ability to play video games when I get home. Like it's like, der, der. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that sounded like a similar voice earlier <laughs> in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. Uh, well, yeah, spe- I mean, speaking of, uh, sorry, I don't know if you guys want to. No, no, go for it, Zach. Go for it. We speaking got off. of okay. World of Warcraft. Uh, Cataclysm. World of Warcraft Cataclysm, which is the the big expansion, What's that? the next big expansion for World of Warcraft. Uh, is the coming world out. Explode. The world does explode. Um, it's coming out December seventh. Uh, for those of you who are unaware of what now has twelve million active subscribers, I think is, is the number. Jesus. Not just not just like accounts, but like active players. Um, it prints money. I, we much. need that gif. We need that gif yep. of like the the Blizzard heads. Um, and- we're we're in a podcast. We can't show people gifts. Dude, radio humor Shut. is the best. It's just no no worries. Um, but yeah, so that it's radio humor is the best. Dude, radio, yeah. Um, it's gonna basically the the plot is that Deathwing, who's some dude, some dragon, he lived under the earth or whatever, no big deal, except that he exploded out of under the earth and blew up all of Azeroth, um, which is the world Oops. of Warcraft. Um, Um, but yeah so now like all pretty much all of the i mean new content wise there's you know like five new levels 80 to 85 with a bunch of end game stuff and you know risk you know respective content for those new levels but they're also redoing um pretty much all of the zones in the game yeah no um, every every single zone. Well, they always do a graphical uh, upgrade, don't they? No, 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 no. This is in not... the, like, the, in, like, when they released Burning Crusade, you know, like, the Outland had, you know, like, it's kind of relatively upgraded graphics, and uh, Wrath of the Lich King had its relatively upgraded graphics. But this is basically, like, a, a re, or like, a reimagining wow. of the World the, of Warcraft. The, there is, the, the original zones, 0 to 60, in World of Warcraft, 
are gone. Oh, well, wow. Yeah. So it's – I mean like it's, it's – So wait. Could I, could I pick up World of Warcraft and the, still play it? The interesting thing yeah. is that this expansion, the only thing that you need to pay for is the 80 to 85 content. All of the new zones for zero to sixty, and I mean, and for the um, and the new races, so you can play as a, a worgen, which is like a uh, werewolf, and goblins. Um, but anyways, yeah. So these, all of the new zero to sixty zones are going to be part of the base game. So if you just buy World of Warcraft, like whatever ten dollar box it is, I don't know what they're charging for it these days. But um, yeah, if you just buy that. You can play zero to sixty with all of you know like the content that they've added to that you know expansion, um, and all of the refinements in you know like gameplay and all of that you know like easier leveling and like cheaper mounts and all that business that's been added over the it, past couple of years. So. It was really obvious as a as a veteran World of Warcraft player when they released the new races in the Burning Crusade that. Uh, the the content the zero to or the one to twenty content was so significantly better than the twenty to sixty content that it was just like you the game was really fun and then ceased to be fun until you got to Outland and uh, I had a chance to play some of the starting quests at last year's BlizzCon and which I hate everyone who's at BlizzCon right here this is the first one I have not been to because I moved out to Chicago hate you all um, I do too but you're not bitter. No, not at all. See, uh, you have to go to TGS. Don't even start. Yeah. That, it, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I can't go Blizzcon to E3 this Diablo year. 3. I can't go to E3 this year. But BlizzCon has Diablo 3. Yeah, and they're, not, gonna, and they're not going to announce a release date. I guarantee well, you. No, they're not. They, yeah. they might. No, I, no. I, this, this would be the year that they announce a release date. No, no, no. Date. This is the year. No, it's going to come out in 2011. That's my prediction. It's going to come uh, out in 2011. A window. Okay, I think we might hear a, you might hear an offhand comment that we want to get it out in 2011. But look look how long it took before they finally put a release date on StarCraft and when they finally put a release date on Cataclysm. Cataclysm is due out in what, 2 months? And we That's just true. now it probably will get a release date like, you know, a month or two before it comes out. Yeah, yeah. they'll just be yeah. like, "Surprise, we're going to ruin your June." <laughs> it's not we, going we... to ruin my June. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make it magical. That's true. But this this is honestly a huge thing for picking up new subscribers for WoW as well because they can just play this all this brand new content that's you know they've learned over six years that the game's been out how to make quests. Yeah. We need. I to, guess they can afford to throw out a few freebies, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- throw some frickin' bones out there, you know. Hey, kids, first hits free. Uh, it's just. <laughs> I think we need to get like the, the American government to bust up the monopoly that is World of Warcraft because no MMO can succeed while this thing exists. I mean the interesting thing though is that um, there was an, another little news story that just came out that um, since in, – in the month that Lord of the Rings Online has gone free-to-play, the, double. The, it has doubled oh, yeah, profits. Awesome. Which I, you know, really like, I think that, that Turbine is wow. – like they did it with um, Dungeons & Dragons Online. At first, I have such difficulty saying dungeons. Um, but yeah, they did it with that first, and like they made a bunch of profits off of that. You know, which I mean, like if you double a small amount, it's not that much. But yeah, like, but Lord of the Rings still... Online now, you know, like is a had a considerably larger player base than D and D Online, and doubling what they had going by making it free to play and adding an item store. I think, like, I kind of wish that World of Warcraft would do it because then I could just you know 
Waste well, I think I, that'll that'll yeah. be the last step for World of Warcraft. I think that'll be the last step, like when they're getting ready to to release a new MMO. You know, and I'm guessing it's going to be a brand new IP because that's what they've said. And that this thing is years down the road. But that'll be the last step where Blizzard says, okay, World of Warcraft is now free to play. And that's when you know that if they haven't announced it already, the new MMO is coming. Because then at that point, then they're just making pure profit. You know, that now they're just making pure profit. Dude, they've been, they've been making pure profit for Yes. I know they they have like twenty three Uncle Scrooge's money bins just like surrounding their office, oh, you know. And the, be- the Beagle Boys are trying to bre- the Beagle Boys are trying to break in every day. I uh, yeah, well. I had what we do last week. Uh, the last time it was Miss Nelson's miss, uh, missing yeah. out doing Ducktales. I I Woo. honestly think Woo. that uh, that for a lot of these big money MMOs. That it's going to be, they're going to be a subscription model for like a year, a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer, and then they're going to, you know, shift to free to play. I'm calling it right now that the next one of these to go free to play is Star Trek Online. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Def- Which on, I, I want to tell the guys at NCSoft, and I don't know if this is NCSoft Korea's decision or NCSoft America's decision. When you shut down games like Auto Assault that are actually good but lack of subscriber base you should bring back auto assault and make it free to play please and then enjoy money yeah and i mean guild wars is is kind of skipping that whole step you know it's just it's good guild wars 2 is just going to be you know like the same model as you know guild wars 1 just pick up the box register it and you know you're you have your subscription for free um i actually am really happy that lotro is uh Making that extra money because I didn't actually. Pl- I got to level thirty in WoW and never got addicted. Um, I can, I can Lotro, stop whenever I want. I played a huge amount of Lotro. I got addicted to Lotro totally. Uh, I basically hit the level cap before the expansions came out. It was a blast. That game was so much fun. The world was awesome, and it always sucked that it would never succeed because of WoW. So it's really good to hear that it. Uh, yeah. It's doing so well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good for them. I mean, it shows that the the model that it's been used in Korean MMOs seems to work. This free-to-play model seems to work. So, you know, hey, more power to them. That's awesome. All right, Zach, more let's, news. Let's get through a couple quick uh, announcements. Yeah, then we got we to gotta stop. The last story, uh, which is that the Wii Mistwalker RPG directed by Hironobu Sakaguchi um, has been delayed. I made Final Fantasy. Yeah. I make I made Final Fantasy, so that matters, right? Have, have you? Final have Fantasy, you, last I, I mean, story. I'm sure you've heard, yeah, that's... Uh, Grab a th- the th- thesaurus, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Which words are exactly the same? <laughs> All of them. Um, Last. But yeah, so that's final that's, um, story. Yep. Fantasy. Uh, yeah, so that's coming out in January now in Japan. Uh, still don't know a um, Western release date or if it's being released in the West. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, some. Somebody will pick it up. I guess. Somebody, yeah, somebody will, so I think Atlas will jump all over that if nobody else does. Uh, Dragon Age Origins Ultimate Edition announced. Uh, so basically, um, what what might as well have been considered the Game of the Year edition. Uh, you know, if if it, I mean, it won our Game of the Year, right? Didn't it? They could. I, I I just love all these Game of the Year editions. I'm like, who who makes these? Yeah, like, so I mean, who, who dubbed you Game of the Year? <laughs> um, it's got you know like the base game, Awakening expansion, and all of the DLC packs. 
um, that, or $50, which is, you know, like pretty, pretty solid, I think. I got to say, I was disappointed with the way, you know, when, when they said that we have all this content for Origins, and I think at one point the, the Bioware guys said that they had, you know, three years of content loaded up for Dragon Age. I remember hearing that. Yeah, I remember that. And, you know, Awakenings was, was pretty good. That was a pretty good expansion. I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. But then, you know, the other, exp- uh, the other expansions, the other packs really weren't, uh, they're not even worth calling expansions. It was add-on content. They really seemed to draw kind of a, a mixed reaction. Nobody really thought that they were worth it. I mean, we just had the wit, the, the witch hunt one came out, and that was just old environments from Dragon Age. So, I gotta really? say, I, I'm a, a little disappointed. You know, I was expecting to see a couple of really solid expansions or to see some new ideas used, and instead, it's just Dragon Age Two. And However, I, I mean, they they have been doing at, you know like get, at least give them recognition for what they've done with Mass Effect because the Mass Effect DLC yeah. has yep. been Mass Effect, much more substantial job. and much more kind of what you know I would have wanted to see yeah. from that sort but of the, DLC operation. But then I also got to say that I saw that uh, Dragon Age two footage online. Uh, did anybody else take game a look footage? at that? Yeah, I, I saw gameplay footage. Am I the is it an action person? game? Yep. Oh no, I thought. Am I the only person who doesn't watch like trailers for games? I just repress well, well, You're I, I talking to the guy that's watched the Harry Potter Deathly Hallows trailer like a thousand times. So. No, like a Kotaku and N4G, like I constantly refresh them on my browser when I'm just sitting around. And like at one point they had an actual trailer. Uh, it, well, it wasn't a trailer for Dragon Age 2. It was off screen gameplay shot from like a cell phone. Okay, but it is an. Action game. Now, granted, this was this was the console version, but that thing looked like God of War meets Dynasty Warriors. Take that for what you will. That's just one observation that this really intricate system that was kind of cumbersome even on PC, but still very very fun, is now point and click. And I was kind of expecting to see Kratos tear someone's head off. Like it, so it's kind of like what they did with Mass Effect 2. I mean, maybe not. Mass Effect 2 wasn't as hardcore RPG as Dragon Age 1 was, but it they're, seems they're seriously simplifying it. For for all of the complaining from uh, from fans and Bioware saying no, we didn't Mass Effect 2, Dragon Age 2. Yeah, it kind of looks like you did. And I, I, hey, I loved Mass Effect 2. I really liked it, and I hated the first Mass Effect, but I really liked Dragon Age Origins, and I wanted to see those ideas expanded on and those ideas and polished. On, yeah, and polished rather than throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So this, I gotta say that the off-screen footage that I showed, I, I was kind of high on the game. I, I sort of liked the new art style. I kind of liked the the hard edges and the artwork and that sort of stuff. I really a darker li- look to it. I liked that look, but then seeing that game in motion, I, I gotta, I will be a hundred percent honest, and I'm I'm always ragging on people to you know give games a chance. I said to give Devil May Cry a chance, but my my desire for that game fell off quite a bit. Now, hey. Maybe the next thing that they show, it's going to be amazing. That could have been bait footage. But my desire for the game has precipitously dropped. And I mean, it's that's Bioware. The, it's going to be good. That's the it's thing, going like, to be good, but is it what I want? Like, that's the thing. Is, is it going to – you can have a it, good game. At that point, they've just called it Dragon Age, and it's not really Dragon Age. Hey, but Rob, like, you know what you sound like to me? The reviewer from IGN who reviewed Castlevania. You got a good point. No, he's he's – John, you have a hundred percent good point. You you are calling me on my BS right now, and that's true. And, but I think that 
what I was complaining about with that review off mic uh, or uh, off recording was that he – if you're going to acknowledge the fact that that's not what you, you wanted, that's fine. But you still review it for what it is. So if I was reviewing Dragon Age 2, I would still review it for what it is. But as a fan, it's not what I wanted. But I think that – you know, uh, damn it, John, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, no, John's 100% right. I should judge it for when I play it, but I think that there, there's a weird point right now where it's like the fans really enjoyed the PC version, and that was the version that people were really high on. It's the version that was highest reviewed, and they seem to be going for the console market. That's great. Let's see what it looks like, but it's a little disappointing, but you're at, right. At if, the same time, I, Rob, I they, have, they have said that they're going to be implementing fewer changes to the pc side of it so i mean like i I said it before and like i'll say it again it's very possible that we will have two very different different playing games games, and like i would be interested in playing both of them because like i love me some rpgs at the same time i really enjoy like an action adventure game with like some good story and like stat building elements and if that's what it ends up being like it's entirely possible that we'll have two very good games with the same sure. plot and different so anyways i guess which would be great that that would be great and and john got me 100 percent. and i'm glad that you know I, I like it when people call me on my bs but you know it's <laughs> just that it, it is a, it's it's a weird scenario where it's not what i wanted it seems to be going in an opposite direction so i still if i was reviewing that game and even though i'm i'm not a professional reviewer i mean we're all working on this this site for fun i mean we're all for love we're, we work on the site for love i don't know, I don't know if, if you're I, aware rob but john's john's the the pr manager and, and <laughs> the, yeah, he's not a peon like us he doesn't no, actually that reference that's true, that's true. but um <laughs> but if i reviewed that game and I, i'll just put the argument out there uh for the listeners and, and i'm not trying to start any crap between ign i'm sure nobody at ign is even going to listen to this i found the review of castlevania not the score I found the review for Castlevania Lords of Shadows to be very, very poorly written. And here's why. The guy's main argument was, this is not what I wanted. I wanted Symphony of the Night. This game is still good, but it's not what I wanted. Blah. And so I understand if, like, on a podcast, he said, hey, you know, this isn't exactly what I wanted, but in my review, I reviewed it for what it is. And so if I, for example, reviewed Dragon Age 2. I would review that game for what it is. I would not review that game as a, well, I'm a fan of the series and this is what I wanted. Because I like to see developers try new things. But it, it's 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 also weird, and maybe this is what the, the gentleman at IGM was thinking. I, I don't know his, know his name off the top of my head. You know, Maybe the, what he was thinking was it's really hard for me to separate that because this isn't what I wanted. But when I looked at that Dragon Age footage, I was just like – wow like that that is so radically far from what i wanted but you know hey maybe it is going to be amazing i know a lot of people didn't like mass effect 2 and i loved it and so to to be completely fair it's completely valid to say this is not like the previous games in the series one of the topics we were we were going to try and touch on tonight which we didn't that i mentioned earlier was rpg spinoffs yeah we never got front mission 5 we got front mission evolved front mission is super paper mario yeah Front Mission Evolved is not like any of the other Front Mission games, with the exception of maybe uh, Gun Hazard, which came out for the Super Famicom. Um, do I like it? Yes. Is it like the other Front Missions? No. Can I complain? No. Are we going to review it? No. It's not an RPG. Not by a long shot. 
Yeah, I, I think you got to review a game for what it is. I think it's fair to say this isn't like the other games. You know, I think that that's definitely a fair thing to say. A lot of people said that about Fallout Three. You know, a lot of people said, well, this is Oblivion with guns, and you know, because it was a very similar game to Oblivion. That's a totally fair assessment. But at the same time, now you need to describe what is it that makes it different from Fallout from Oblivion with guns. And so, Dragon Age, you know, just the limited footage that I saw, the Dragon Age Two looks fantastically different now could it be the best game i've ever played hell yeah certainly could but i'm saying that for what i liked about dragon age it seems like they threw all that out but then again zach's 100 percent right and we're going in circles right now but just to end it zach's 100 percent right yeah it could it could end up being two radically different games it could be that it was early beta footage it could be that they just didn't bring up a freaking menu system you know like it it is what it is and I think we need to be open-minded about it. But at the same time, if it wasn't what we were interested in, I think the developers should hear that in some respect. But you still review the body of work for what it is. But it's perfectly mm. fine to say after the fact, hey, this isn't you know exactly what we were looking for. Some people weren't looking for a God of War clone with the new Castlevania. That's totally fine. I'm enjoying it. I'm having a blast with it. But I understand that some people wanted another Symphony of the Night. But you know what? I got a little tired of playing those games you know, 18 bajillion times. I still love Symphony, though. Hey, Rob. I don't have to agree with that totally. Rob, I, did you know PJs, that – It was awesome. Did you know that Alundra and Ark the Lad are coming to the PSN this Tuesday? I actually did, and I think what? this will be our last news story. Yes, I did. We've got, we've got yeah. So um, Ark the Lad and Alundra are coming to the PSN download service thingy. Uh, six bucks a pop, and by Tuesday we mean October 12th for those of you who may or may not be listening. Should actually be coming out the same day that the podcast is posted on the site. So, you know, timely news there. Alundra is um, awesome. Yeah. And then uh, also in a thread on NeoGAF, uh, Vic Ireland, who's the founder of Gaijin Works, uh, confirmed – that Ark the Lad 2 will be coming out uh, for well, PSN in about a month. Uh, he so. said he said that assuming everything goes to plan, yeah. which means that you need to buy these games yep. if you want more working design stuff. We'll which, make it if you buy it. Yes, so anyone who's listening to this podcast, I don't care if you don't like strategy RPGs, I don't care if you don't like games that are like Zelda, go and buy Alundra. And go and buy the original Ark the Lad because there are a lot more working designs games that I want. I want Lunar on PSN. How was that uh, check? That I you support got? this sentiment. How was that check that you got from Vic Ireland for that little rant there, John? How you know what? Check? Honestly, uh, Vic Ireland and I have only met once. And it, uh, for those who don't know, for those who started reading the site in the past decade, um, Back in the 90s, Vic Ireland and a lot of editors who no have not had anything to do with the site for a long, long time had, like, big, big arguments. And I tried when I came in in 2002 to try and kind of patch that up, and it never, like, worked out because working designs collapsed. But it's it, – Victor Ireland has never really been happy with RPG fan, and it's only been since really kind of his work with Hudson and Gaijin works with Miami Law that we've kind of – you know, sorted that out because the the offending editors no longer have anything to do with the site. So to answer your question, uh, three hundred dollars. Oh, okay, excellent, excellent. <laughs> so is that it? Is that it for the show? I mean, I've I've got one more real quick. Tales of the Abyss is coming to the 3DS. 
Is that another yes. Tales game? Yes. It's it's, no, it's a previous it's Tales, Tales game. game. Oh, uh, it came out in game. 2006 I... on the PS2, and it's now coming out in Trace Dimensions. Uh, so yeah, we'll see if, if uh, Namco Bandai actually brings it to North America. Which... Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, that's, that's, that's so that's okay. We can import. <laughs> right. you, I think the over under on that is like 30. percent Well. Uh, I guess that's it for the show. Um, I just want to throw something out there, um, and we can definitely cut this out if we if we actually don't want to do it. But um, I, apparently, some of us can actually go to PAX East this year. Uh, I know I really want to go. Um, hopefully, Stephen will be back in the country. I mean, Zach, we don't really care about, and we kind of need John. So um, I would love to do like some kind of meet and greet with uh listeners i mean i'm sure we'd only have like 10 people show up but i would actually love to do something like that at pax oh, man, you're being generous mm. yeah i know i know I, it, it. It, I like PAX. Yeah, Here, here's the thing that's funny I'll do is it. our rpg fan is not a tiny website when it comes to traffic we have about 150,000 to 200,000 unique visitors in any given month which is and not bad Yes, and we're in Japan. Um, if you haven't, check out RPG Fans Facebook. Yes. Tom in Japan put our logo with best RPG of E3 on the E7 box. It's awesome. I was awesome. so excited when I saw that. Like I was walking around <laughs> Akihabara doing research for a, an article I'm writing, and I was like, is that the RPG Fan logo? What? I was so excited. That was excellent. Uh, I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? You're, you're talking about the number of readership that we get to the site. Oh yeah, so we're, we actually have a fair amount of readerships. Our reviews get tens of thousands of views if they're good, and you know we have a lot of viewers. I get like two emails a month from people who read the site, and it's it's the the level of people who actually read what we write and people who respond to us is very low. So if we do do something at PAX East, you know. Maybe we we're always at E3. RPG the RPG fan has had some presence at E3 for the past 97, I don't know, 13, 14 years. Yeah. You know, maybe, yeah, we're Enjoy. we're at just about every convention that's not PAX Prime, which we may actually have somebody at PAX Prime this year. Well, I mean, I I definitely want to do something at PAX East, uh, some kind of meet and greet, you know. Uh, That'd be great. We, we talked about doing a live show there, you know, maybe, maybe not like the in, format that in they like did. Five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when we actually have listeners, but like actually doing a show like from a hotel room at PAX where we can talk about the games that we've seen. Um, you know, if if we do a show from E3, you guys will have to bring a laptop because I can't go this year. So if if you guys like actually had a meet and greet, you could put the laptop down on a chair and that could be me. It would kind of be similar to what they did with um Graham Chapman when he was dead on uh on Monty Python. <laughs> You, you know what I'm talking about, right, Steve? I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> Where they, like, spread his ashes all over the floor. <laughs> we could do something similar to that. So I just wanted to throw it out there. So, you know, if, if you're interested in doing something like that for PAX East, coming out to see us, you know, we definitely want to get support. It's kind of hard to figure out how many people we have listening to the web, to the actual podcast, but I'm definitely interested. Love to hear from fans. Uh, so keep on posting on the message boards. You know, if we start to elicit discussion and you guys come up with threads that you want to want us to talk about, we're definitely looking for that kind of stuff. You know, we want to make the show bigger and better. So harder, better, faster, stronger, right? We're also on iTunes. So please subscribe on iTunes. Please. It's on iTunes. Just, you know, just click that five-star button. If you have nothing good to say, don't say it. We are a five-star rated podcast on iTunes. Yeah. You are just asking for that to be changed. 
Oh, yeah. I realize that. Guys, I got uh, students knocking at my door. That's the power of working at a boarding school. So I got to cut out. All right. So somebody end it for me. I like turtles. I hate you.